Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Today on the podcast, I'm talking about women. Can God use women to catalyze new movements of disciples to Christ? How is this scriptural and how do we grapple with some of the questions that come up about women, how they're supposed to be silent in the church? And and can God really use women and does he want to use women? So these are really important questions and I'm going to dive into that Q&A and these kind of sticky issues uh, in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Let's dive into this topic of can women be used by God as disciple makers, as leaders, and as even movement catalysts or movement leaders? Um, what does scripture say about this? And what, uh, what can we learn as we're looking at how to see disciples multiply in our areas as we're daring to multiply disciples, not just have addition growth, but are seeking to see the multiplication of disciples and groups as they spread and people's lives are transformed in the regions and areas that we are called to. It's an important topic. And a friend of mine and a mentor, an Indian uh, medical surgeon, doctor, Dr. Victor Chowdhury, who has seen many, many movements catalyzed in India. And I had a conversation about this and he said this shocking statement to me. Um, And as soon as he said it, I wrote it down and I said, is that really what you said? (laughs) Because it was so um, pointed. And he said this, he said, not empowering women is stupidity at the highest level. Wow. I was surprised when he said that stupidity is a strong word. And in some ways, even a word that I probably wouldn't uh, tend to use. But I don't think Uncle Victor meant any of offense when he sh- when he used that word. But he's really looking with a surgeon's eye and um, at multiplication, what is needed to see the church in India and around the world multiply rapidly. And he said, we have to empower women 
and train them to be disciple makers, to start groups of disciples, to be leaders and deacons and, uh, you know, to take responsibilities in the church and in the movement and to uh, give them authority that they've been given already by Jesus uh, to go and make disciples. So it only makes sense scripturally. And he said, when you don't do it, you cut off half of the harvest workforce. So he just thought that was not appropriate biblically or wise. So I want to just share a little bit about my story and my husband's story related to this. So when we look in scripture and we look at the passage where Jesus talks about, uh, sorry, where Paul talks about um, the spiritual gifts, we find that in 1 Corinthians uh, passage, first uh, chapter 12. It says this in chapter 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To who? To each one. So the, the spiritual gifts are given to us by the Spirit. And then in verse uh, 11, it says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Who distributes the spiritual gifts? It says the Spirit of God distributes them to each one, as he determines. Now, my husband and I both grew up in fairly traditional homes in America. Um, mine was on the mission field, but we're both Americans. And um, my dad was a missionary and a pastor, and he was the preacher in the family. He was the preacher, the teacher. He was the one in the pulpit. And my mom was the supportive wife, and she was an excellent supportive wife. And she took care of the kids. Dad took care of the ministry. And their roles were fairly clearly defined um, in more what we would say a traditional way. And when my husband Todd and I started our ministry together and we were married, graduated from Bible college, we went to youth pastor in a church in southern Indiana, it soon became clear to us that our gifts were not traditional. So I had a lot more joy and fulfillment in preaching and teaching. And um, my husband got a lot of joy and fulfillment in serving. So if you ever get a chance to meet Todd, he is a natural server. He loves to serve. And the gift of service is definitely been given to him. He loves to serve. And he also has the gift of hospitality. If you come to our home, I do my best to remember to serve you a cup of tea, but it's Todd who will make sure that you're given your cup of tea or your cup of coffee and that you're welcomed. And whenever anyone is around Todd, they feel the they feel safe and they feel welcomed around him. And my gift was pioneering new things and starting new programs. And I get excited when I get to go to a new area and break something new open. And it became clear to me that God had given me the gift, an apostolic gift, right? That I was a pioneer and I, I saw that. And I also enjoyed teaching and training. And when I got up in front of a room to speak, I would light up. It was something that I loved doing. And so we struggled and my husband tried to fit into that typical pastor preacher mode 
And I tried to fit into that typical supportive wife, plays the piano, sings in church kind of mode. And you know what? It just didn't work for us. It was not who we were. And those are not the gifts that God had given us. And we were in the wrong kinds of roles. And so we had to grapple with this. And this scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 helped us tremendously because we read it and I saw there, it said that the spirit determines and distributes the gifts. The spirit of God had given me an apostolic gift and the spirit of God had given my husband a gift of service. And we were to be who we are in God and not try to be someone else because God himself had given us these gifts. And yeah, we may not be the traditional cultural couple, but God has used us so much more as we embrace the gifts that he's given us rather than trying to be someone else. So this passage really helped me. There's some other scriptures that really helped me to understand that as a woman, God had called and chosen me to bear much fruit. He had chosen me as a royal priest, just like he'd chosen the men around me. And I was responsible to use that gift and to be fruitful for him in his kingdom. I began to look at the New Testament and I saw in scripture in John chapter four that the woman at the well, uh, Jesus had a conversation with her. He had an encounter, she had an encounter with Jesus and then she went and she began to share with others what she had learned and understood of Jesus. She shared with the entire village and through her, her many in her village, perhaps even the whole village came to know who Jesus was. She was the door opener. She was the person of peace. So women can be persons of peace. They can proclaim the good news about Jesus. We see that example in John chapter four. And also very meaningful to me was when I saw in scripture that the most important message ever proclaimed, ever proclaimed that Jesus was alive was actually first entrusted to women. It says that the women in the early morning went to the tomb to, to put spices on Jesus' body. And that was, that was women's work in Jewish culture. They went and they were going to put the spices on the body and prepare it and, um, you know, do that kind of work. And when they got to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus was not there. And this man in shining garments appeared to them and said, he's not here. He is risen. And they went running to tell Peter, James, and John, the first people to proclaim that Jesus was alive were women. Now, if God gave that message to women and trusted them to get it right and to share it well, then I think he can still trust women today and we can trust them too. So why would God give that message to women first? I don't know, except to me, it says that God wants women to be active in proclaiming his good news. And he wanted to highlight them in particular as being trustworthy with important messages like that. We also find uh, a passage in Romans chapter 16, where Paul, the apostle, who often is, um, is 
looked down on or, you know, said to be the one who, who didn't embrace women or didn't release women. And yet we find evidence to the contrary in Romans chapter 16, where he is giving these personal greetings to his friends and to his colleagues and co-workers in the faith. And we see in Romans uh, chapter 16 that the uh, it starts out with a greeting to Phoebe, right? Um, it says here, let me just open it. It says, I commend to, to you, <laughs> reading from the NIV, our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in St. A deacon of the church. I commend Phoebe to you. He starts all of his greetings by greeting a deaconess, a woman who is carrying significant responsibility in the church. And many people think that that Phoebe could have been the one who was actually delivering this letter to the church in Rome. And he says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, um, including me. So he names her as someone who has ministered to him and blessed him and as a deaconess in the church. So Paul is definitely affirming a woman there. We find also in the next verse, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And it's interesting to find that here we see Priscilla actually listed before Aquila. In, um, in his greeting. And that in many ways indicates that Priscilla was, was possibly predominant in the ministry and even more prominent, um, we could say, than her husband Aquila. Um, maybe she was more seen as the leader um, or the one who is prominent in ministry. We do see in the book of Acts that the first time they're mentioned as a couple, um, it's the reverse. It's first um, Aquila and Priscilla that are mentioned. But then later on, we see that it's Priscilla and Aquila. And we see that she is one who is used um, by God to disciple and to mentor Apollos and to explain the scriptures to him, explain the word of God to him. Um, and through Priscilla and Aquila, but she's listed first there, um, he understands more and he then becomes uh, a spreader of the gospel in that area. So Priscilla is listed there. And then down in verse seven, it says, greet Adronicus and Junia, um, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. It doesn't say that only Adronicus was an apostle. Paul says they, and Junia is a female name. So Paul is naming Junia as an apostle, and not just an apostle, but someone who is an outstanding apostle together with Adronicus. So in my um, perception, as I read this, I see no other explanation than to say that women can be apostles, women can be leaders, women can be deacons, Paul's listing them and affirming them and calling them out. Women can be entrusted with important gospel teaching and messages, as we see with the women uh, who were entrusted with the resurrection message. 
And I would join with Victor in saying that it's unwise <laughs> um, to not empower and train women around you. As you train and empower and equip women, God is going to multiply your efforts in making and multiplying disciples. And to not equip and empower women limits in so many ways the workforce, the harvest force of those who can go out and uh, multiply disciples, share stories about Jesus. Women are good at talking often, and they talk with their neighbors in a natural way. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they should neglect their responsibilities to care for their children. Um, but I personally believe that both men and women should care for children. And my husband has, and I have partnered to take care of our kids well. And um, I see that, you know, as having been such a blessing to our kids to have their fathers involved in their lives and uh, not just have only me as the mom be the one to care for them. Now, obviously, when your children are very small and they're breastfeeding, the woman has a much more primary role of nurturing. But I really believe both husband and wife, both man and women are needed to nurture and mentor and disciple the kids that it shouldn't only be the work of the women. Um, but as we partner together, and, and truly that's what my husband Todd and I have had the privilege of doing, is partnering together for the work of the kingdom, partnering together in our ministry to our family, partnering together in all that we do. As we've done that together, we've seen great fruit. And we've both been far more fulfilled by using the gifts that God had given us um, and seeing greater fruit than if we were trying to be a round uh, kind of thing in a square hole or a round peg in a square hole, trying to be someone that we're not. God wants us to be who we are, who he's made us to be, and to walk in confidence in who we are. Now, one last thing I want to mention, and I'd like to speak to any men who are listening to this podcast, and I just want to encourage you uh, to to affirm the women in your life. It means the world to us when the men in our lives speak words of encouragement and affirmation. Um, when my husband uh, tells me I did a good job when I spoke or when he tells me that um, he really appreciates how much I care about the lost and how I'm actively seeking to find ways to reach them, it means so very much to me and makes me stronger and makes me more able to do the things that God's called me to do because there are a lot of voices telling us that we should be silent and telling us that we should not speak. So affirm the women in your life. Look for ways that you can um, encourage them. And if you're a pastor or a leader or have Christian influence and you're a man, look for ways to train and equip and release women uh, into the work of the ministry and into the work of seeing disciples make disciples who make disciples. And then I'd like to speak to women for a minute as well and just challenge you not to take offense when there are men around you who, um, and in our society, be it in the West or be it around the world, who do not affirm you, do not recognize you, do not value you, refuse to carry a spirit of offense about this. I am not a feminist, and I, um, yeah, I just, I don't believe that women and men have to be the same. 
we are different. We are unique. God made us that way. We can be who we are. Uh, I don't try to act like a man. I don't think I should. <laughs> I'm a woman and I'm fully who I am as a woman. Um, and my husband doesn't try to act like, you know, we, we just are who we are in our, in our own uh, femininity and in our own masculinity. We need to maintain that. I believe that is important. So don't try to act like a man, but don't take offense when people don't recognize you. Just use your gifts. Whatever he's given you, use it. And as you use it effectively, God will bring the fruit. God will increase it. And people then will begin to recognize. Um, and we have so many examples of this, even in modern day history of key female leaders and teachers who God has used to some people opposed, but many others, male and female, recognize them and are listening to them and learning from them. So don't be afraid. Just use the gift that God's given you. Oh, and I did want to mention, um, I had a question that uh, was asked in a seminar I was doing in a workshop. What about the passage that women should be silent in the church? How do we respond to people about that passage? And um, I acknowledge that this is a difficult passage to understand and that there are many different interpretations and many people who are more, um, have doctorate degrees, which I do not have. I have a master's in global leadership from Fuller Seminary, but I don't have a doctorate degree. Um, many theological uh, scholars have differing opinions about this, but I just, from my very practical story, want to share with you how I came to see the context of that in a very vivid way when we were working in Nepal. We were working in Nepal and I was uh, in a village area and um, in Nepal, the men sit on one side and the women sit on the other. And uh, these were village women. They were not very well educated, if educated at all. They were not used to sitting and listening to someone from the front speak or tell a story or do anything. And uh, back then, we were still learning about movement principles. And we, uh, we were in more of a traditional church kind of mode, really, of preaching a sermon. So when uh, someone would stand up front and preach a sermon, um, the women would get bored because these village women, they weren't used to sitting and learning. And they weren't educated. So they would stand up and stretch and they would yawn. And they would often, if they had a question, they would sort of shout across the room to their husband during the church service to ask for clarification or to say that they were getting ready to go feed the goats or, you know, it was very disruptive. And uh, we had to tell them to tell the women, please be quiet in the church service be, and save your questions for your husbands for later because it's not appropriate to ask them here in this meeting time. And we had to train them, teach them to be appropriate and keep silent in the church. Well, when I saw that happening, all of a sudden the light bulbs went off and I was like, that is what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about women never being able to stand up and speak to men. He's talking about disruptive women, uneducated women who aren't used to sitting and keeping quiet. And he's just giving instructions about how they should behave in a church service or in a meeting where uh, he or someone else might be speaking. In the time of Paul, uh, women were not educated as rabbis. 
and they weren't educated in general. Um, they were, you know, uh, that wasn't, that hadn't happened yet. But today is a very different scenario where we have women who are educated. We have many women teachers in our schools. Some of you may even be teachers who are listening. Um, and it makes no sense whatsoever to say that women should not teach, that women should not, that they can teach um, men about economics, but they can't teach uh, spiritual things. It's such a separation of spiritual, what is spiritual and what is secular, right? And we know that the word of God is holistic. So if women can teach, and, and we have no problem whatsoever them teaching us about economics, why can't they also teach the word of God? There's nothing in scripture that says that they can't, um, except for those passages which are so misunderstood and the context in which they were written is so misunderstood. So um, yes, women should not be disruptive in the church and neither should men, <laughs> right? We need to listen well when someone's speaking to us in a church meeting. That is very valid and it still is very true. I'm not trying to erase that scripture, but personally, I, I don't see how in any way that scripture disqualifies women from being able to be leaders um, in light of the many other scriptures, um, including in book of Judges, Judges 4, how Deborah was a leader in Israel and Barak goes to her for advice and, um, you know, gains strength from her to go into battle. And she's the judge who God has chosen to lead Israel at that time. And uh, she does so and does so well and is affirmed and highlighted in scripture for her role as a key female leader in Israel. So um, I hope this has been helpful to you. Once again, uh, let's not take offense, but do look for ways that you can affirm women. And if you're a woman, be willing to rise up and be the person that God has called you to be as a disciple maker, as a minister in the kingdom. You too are a royal priest chosen by God to bear much fruit. Use the gifts he's given and uh, look for ways to to make and multiply disciples in your area. God bless you guys. And we'll see you back on the next podcast. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached, is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. All right, so here's a couple of key takeaways. I talked today about my own story and how God helped my husband and I to accept the gifts that we had been given by God rather than trying to be someone we aren't. If God's given you gifts of teaching and he's given you gifts of prophecy or leadership gifts as a woman, it's God who gave them to you. So accept them and walk in them. If you're a man and you see that in your wife or you see that in your daughter or someone around you, affirm them and speak life into them. We talked about some scriptures from uh, 
the New Testament, like the woman at the well in John chapter four, how uh, she was used by God to spread the good news with her entire village. We talked about the most important message that had ever been given, the message that Jesus is alive coming through the women who went there. And if God gave such good news and such important news to women, why shouldn't we trust women as well? We talked about Deborah as an Old Testament example of a leader uh, of Israel. And we talked about Romans 16 and some of the passages there where Paul affirms women like Phoebe and Junius. And he speaks about uh, how he's affirming these women. Another one is Adronicus and Junia. He talks about Junia, which is a female name and says she was outstanding among the apostles. So uh, as we walk away, I want to give you this action step to do. And that is to, if you're a man, to find a woman in your life, uh, be it your wife or your daughters or someone around you and affirm them in the gifts that they've been given and call forth the gifts that you see in them. If they seem to be a good encourager, call forth that gift of encouragement. If they seem to be someone who is good at articulating things and teaching, maybe they're even a teacher in a secular job, but um, they've not been affirmed to be a teacher who can present spiritual truth to people in a clear way call that forth in them, affirm them this week. It's going to mean the world to them. And then find active ways uh, to release and train and equip women. You're going to multiply your efforts as a disciple multiplication uh, practitioner or a DMM, CPM person. Um, You're going to see greater fruit. And then also, if you still have questions, dig into some of the resources that I gave on the show, uh, particularly the book, Why Not Women? But there's lots of other great resources out there. Um, so God bless you. Find a way to train, empower, and equip women, and you're going to see greater fruit in the work that you're doing. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.